the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. Good afternoon. It is a couple minutes after 4 and you're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show on AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. Thank you for tuning in. Gorgeous day. A lot of sun, 79 the high, clear skies tonight, low 55. Tomorrow, sunny for a while, maybe some clouds later in the day. Breezy, and tomorrow's high, 84. Sixers lost a tough one last night. They're up by 22 points at halftime. It fell 109-106 to Atlanta. After the game on a Zoom call with the Sixers, Tobias Harris talking about the second-half struggles that the Sixers had, which included them getting outscored 40-19 to in the fourth quarter. In the second half, we had a, from the beginning, we turned the ball over too much. We still maintain a, you know, 20-point lead. When we got out there, you know, in that, in that period, the start of the fourth is when they started to gain momentum. We, we didn't get any movement offensively in what we were doing. And then defense, defensively, we were just non-existent out there for their run. You know, that was really the game shifting into the fourth quarter where we were trading baskets. And then they, they were ended up making good plays, making threes down the stretch and uh, scoring pretty much every single time down. And that just hurt us. It hurt, it hurt our offense as well. Yeah, I mean, you know, this one is going to hurt. It hurts. But you know, tomorrow we have to put it behind us, find a way to get better, go to Atlanta and, and get a win. I mean, you know, our backs are against the wall right now and we have to play like it. It's a great question. You know, it's a, yeah, I don't know right now. I mean, that, that's a tough one to answer, but it's been, um, you know, the weakness right now is when we gain those leads, we kind of go away from what got us there. And, and that was, you know, playing defense, moving the basketball, getting some good looks. And that, that's hurt us in the last two games. That's Tobias Harris of the Sixers last night. Joel Embiid had 37 points and Seth Curry 36 in the loss. A little later on in the hour, Rob Motti from the Associated Press, who joins our program every now and again, Going to chime in a bit about the Sixers as well as other sports teams. He covers them all in Philadelphia. Atlanta's up three games to two now. Game six tomorrow night in Atlanta at 7.30. If the Sixers can pull that out, then they do come home for deciding game seven. Meanwhile, the Phillies brought a bright spot to the to the Philadelphia sports scene with a 2 nothing win over the Dodgers last night. Zach Wheeler, who has been lights out in many regards, uh, had an average game. But still got the job, well, for him, six innings pitched, five hits, no runs, so still did well, struck out six. Uh, Phillies manager Joe Girardi on Zach Wheeler's performance. Yeah, I mean, they grinded at bats on him. You know, a lot of times, 98 pitches, he's in the eighth inning. But they they grinded some at bats on him and got some longer counts with him today. But again, it was the bend, but don't break. He did a really good job, and he was on base, you know, a long time in the fifth and we saw his velocity drop. It was the fourth or the fifth and we saw his velocity drop a little bit and we got one more out of him in the sixth. And I said, that's it. And Alvy, you know, picked him up in a sense, you know, wheels has been picking us up all year long with 
the amount of innings he gave, and we finally picked one back up for him. Yeah, the bullpen stepped in and finished the game off. Uh, as far as his own performance, what did Wheeler think? Yeah, I mean, I didn't have my best stuff tonight. Obviously, you know, I had four walks, but that was the majority of the guys on base. But, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, when you don't have your best stuff, you got to really bear down. I mean, obviously, you're trying to bear down every single time that somebody's on base. But, yeah, I mean, these type of days, you know, you just got to go out there and try to do the best you can. Phillies pitcher Zach Wheeler also talking about the rest of the team, helping pick him up and finish the game off. You know, it's it's a long season, man. It's a grind. And, you know, that's why, you know, these guys are professionals. You know, Reese has kept it professional the whole time. I know he's been struggling, but, you know, he always has a good attitude coming to the field, out there on the field. Doesn't carry himself out there, you know, when he gets frustrated into the field and makes mistakes out there. So, you know, you, you always kind of respect that. And, you know, to see him come out of it, the way he did tonight was pretty cool. And, um, you know, Alvarado did his thing out there, two scoreless, you know, kind of picking me up since I didn't get that deep into the game. And, you know, it's always nice to see that. Phillies pitcher Zach Wheeler from last night. The Phillies are now off this evening, and uh, they turn to their uh, their sights to San Francisco playing at the Giants. Former Phillies manager Gabe Kapler has the Giants playing very well this year. Reese Hoskins, by the way, snapped out of his – Really long slump with a home run last night as part of the Phillies' win, his 13th on the year. We are looking forward to, besides our buddy Rob Motti joining us later, by the way, a gentleman named Jeremy Samak. Jeremy's joined us at least once before. He's senior counsel with the Independence Law Center, independencelaw.org for info. Very big Supreme Court decision came down today that, uh, if you have not been uh, aware of this this case, it's a situation where Catholic Social, uh, social Services their ability to be do foster care was taken away by the city of Philadelphia because largely because they don't place children in homes with same sex parents. And I also believe unmarried parents, like a, a situation they they just one man, one woman, that's their approach. And that's what they think. And that's that those are the homes they will place children in. They don't turn children away and say, no, you can't get help. They, they just redirect them to one of the other 29 organizations in the city that does that. So there's been a big thing about this for several years now. And the Supreme Court took the case, I think, in 2020 and ruled on it. And so it's a it's a good news situation. And so Jeremy filed a, a brief on behalf of 15 state senators as part of this. And so we're going to talk with him about the whole process, what happened and all that. He'll be joining us here in just a few moments. And also just want to throw out to you our toll-free number, 800-560-WFIL. Eight hundred five sixty nine three four five. With the beautiful weather, I'm thinking we should hand out a WFIL T-shirt. You can choose blue or like a grayish white. Uh, so if you want one of those, give a quick call. Eight hundred five sixty WFIL. Eight hundred five sixty nine three four five. We'll take a random winner right now to win one with WFIL. It's Tim Demar's show. Thanks for tuning in today. You're listening to a podcast of the Tim Demar Show. Heard weekday afternoons four till five on AM560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL.com on the app. Great song there from Jordan Feliz, otherwise known as the guy with the hat. And the song Glorify, it's 415 on the Tim DeMoss Show. And we mentioned near the top of the program how we have a couple of special guests this hour, including Jeremy Samak. He is senior counsel with the Independence Law Center. Jeremy, how are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. How are you? <laughs> I think wonderful might be an understatement after the Supreme Court sends a ruling down. You've been, uh, take the take all the time you want, set this up for folks, what you've been working on and how things have played out up until today. It's quite a story. 
Yeah, so a few, a few years ago, I think it was in 2018, the city of Philadelphia essentially said they're not going to work with Catholic Foster Service Agency anymore because Catholic Services wanted to look for the most ideal family they could in a bad situation. And for them, that was to find a married mother and a father. So they wouldn't do home studies for couples who are heterosexual that weren't married or same-sex couples. Um, and they never had a problem finding homes for these kids. They never had to deny anybody a home either and so until the city of Philadelphia decided that they were going to shut them down because they didn't like um, what they stood for. Yeah. So it was, a, it was a long battle, and there were some other Christian uh, foster care agencies who caved in. Uh, they gave in to, to what the city was forcing them to do, and so Catholic Services was standing alone. But ultimately today, it was a, a unanimous decision, a 9-0 decision, finding that the city of Philadelphia uh, violated their First Amendment rights um, to practice their religion. Wow, nine to nothing. How often does a Supreme Court rule nine nothing on something? I would think that would be almost by definition kind of on the rare side, maybe not. Yeah, actually, um, contrary to popular belief, most decisions uh, are unanimous. Really? Um, what ends up happening are, are the, the highly contentious, uh, the ones that are, are, we'll say, more usually with LGBT issues, for instance. Yeah. Those are the ones that we don't usually see nine notices. So it is, it's, it's uncommon to see it in the, the contentious social issue area okay. to see nine decisions. So here it is sort of unique to see a nine with this topic, but we're, we're very glad that it was. So there's a few things to unpack here I think that is important. One is, my understanding is, even the fact that Catholic Social Services had that policy, it wasn't as though someone went to them and got mistreated in some way and then complained about it. I, I heard that they actually, someone just kind of took the time to look them up and, hey, wait a minute, they don't do oh, what? Then we're going to cause a problem, right? It was almost like they were looking for trouble rather than Catholic yeah, Social that's, right? that's exactly right. Nobody has ever come to them and been turned away because of that. Because the truth is there's 30 other foster agencies in Philadelphia that will will do foster care services for everybody, yeah. whether you're single, whether you're um, in a same-sex relationship. And so it has never been a problem. In fact, Catholic Services has been involved in the foster care um, and taking care of orphans for around 200 years in Philadelphia, so much, much longer than the city of Philadelphia has even been involved in it. Yeah, um, It was only uh, about 50 or so years ago where um, the city started requiring them people who wanted to engage in helping helping uh, children who couldn't stay with their family for some reason um, essentially contract or get licensed through that city in order to continue to do the good work that they do. Wow. Wow. Jeremy Samix, our guest, he's senior counsel with the Independence Law Center, independencelaw.org. Before I forget, would that be a, a spot that folks could go to, if they want to dig in a little bit and maybe even read uh, back on the backstory on this and all of that to kind of dig in and, and understand it better? Yeah, if you go to our, our webpage at pafamily.org or independencelawcenter.org, okay. um, both of those you'd be able to find links. At the independencelawcenter.org, you could find our case page uh, for this particular case, and you can read some of the briefs. You can read the amicus brief that we filed on behalf of 15 state senators from Pennsylvania yeah. encouraging the court to do the right thing, and you can also find the opinion there. So uh, that was another question I wanted to ask you, that, that brief that you uh, filed Fit with fit on behalf of 15 state senators. Um, I'm not sure, you know, whether you have them in front of you or something like that, or whether it's important or not. But in a way, I'm thinking they should get some credit, right? I mean, what what would they, what would they have? 
gotten could, could it have backfired on any of them are they putting their necks out a bit to have it on there or is this just and what would have motivated these state senators to be involved in the first place well i think these state senators wanted this they knew that there's there's a a desperate need for foster parents and at a time where we have such a great need especially in the city of philadelphia yeah. eliminating uh foster care agencies especially the one that's been in in business the longest and who really has been dealing with some of the hardest to place children out of sexual ideology was a terrible thing to do. So they wanted to make sure that these children's rights were taken care of and that they were finding sufficient loving homes for these kids. And that's what Catholic Charities provided. And they wanted to make sure that they could continue to do that. And so our brief dealt with uh, the history of religious liberty, why it's so important to provide these sorts of accommodations um, from these sorts of uh, oversteps by the government. And so we were really happy to see um, even liberal justices on the Supreme Court uh, agree with that aspect of the importance of free exercise clause. Isn't it? Some, yeah, see, and that's something else I think is important for the you know, average person like myself as you know, read about it or hear about it is to realize, well, there's a goal, I guess, you know, to get Catholic social services reinstated. But bigger than that, there's a lot more at stake, right? To, so uh, am I right about that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this it, it is important um, for to be able to do even the things that are seemingly, uh, I would call them un, non-political. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. I do. I use the air quotes because we we sort of put things into a box of these things are political and contentious, and these things we're just seeking to live out our faith and serve the poor, uh, serve the sick, or serve the orphan. But even in those areas that we don't normally associate as being political. Uh, we can we can quickly see uh, that we get pushed out of those areas and told that we're no longer welcome um, to serve those in need because of the ide- ideologies that are sort of prevalent in our day and age. Jeremy Samex, our guest, he's senior counsel with the Independence Law Center again, IndependenceLaw.org or PAFamily.org. You bring up the, the and of course the religious angle to this is certainly very you know fundamental to this to the case, uh, but but and, and but the point that. Uh, for example, how uh, Catholic Social Services was, I don't want to say hunted down, but how someone went out of their way to kind of research what they're about and then raise a ruckus rather than a family who was turned down because they like you said no one's been turned down. What other aspects are in your observation these past, I guess you've been involved with two or three years with this. Have you seen kind of that hostility? Uh, and I'm not a victim. I don't like to be a victim. Like everyone's against me, but but it's real. So you have to address it and you have to address it in a godly way, but you do need to address it. So. What are some other, a couple other examples uh, along the way of just kind of like, where'd that come from? Why did, why are you picking on us about this? Yeah, I, it, it really came from a, I think it was a, an article where somebody, somebody found out that that was the, the procedure that the, the Catholic charities used um, when they were trying to find the best home for these children. And so it just came from people making complaints. Uh, okay. There, there was lots of statements made um, that really showed the hostility to their beliefs. So, for instance, Commissioner, I'm going to mispronounce their name, but it's Figueroa, uh, I believe. Figueroa, maybe, is it? That could be, uh, saying that, hey, this is not 100 years ago, and that's a quote, and he accused them of failing to follow the teaching of Pope Francis. They only investigated religious entities and their policies regarding same-sex marriage. They admitted that they didn't do any investigation into any other secular organization really? um, to determine if they were violating any any of their, their policies that they put into place. Wow. So. Okay, so there's a couple examples right there. I mean, and not to be surprised and not to be woe is me. God's still on the throne. He's still in charge. But but you have to address these things in a wise way. I'm sure it's part of the 
part of the battle and trying to stem the tide a bit at least so it doesn't just become assumed you can steamroll over uh, you know, a religious organization. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And that's even to be found, you know, I, I, I can't remember, uh, a gentleman named Luke Good, Goodrich was on us, uh, a lawyer before. Uh, yeah. Do you know Luke? Have you ever met him or talked with him? I have, yeah, yep. He had, he'd wrote a book a couple of years ago, and he brought up a great point where he is, uh, you know, I believe he's a believer, and he's represented a lot of Christian cases, but not just Christians. He's, re- he's represented like a lot of prisoners from different religious backgrounds. And yeah. part of his point was, look, while, while you know, it's... A, we're defending religious freedom in general. Like I think it was the way that the inmates could wear their hair or facial hair or something. It's like, mm-hmm. you'd want that to be true for a Muslim or a Christian or, or an atheist. Like they can wear their, their hair the way they want. And you, you would care not just that Christians can wear the hair the way they want. Right. So to be fair, it is trying to, to, to not just single out one over another, which I think yeah, would, stre- that, right, right. It would strengthen your argument almost, right. You're trying to not just defend just one religion per se. Yeah, it's it very similar to the way that people sometimes say with the First Amendment free speech principles that the right – we may not agree with somebody else's yeah, speech, but right. we would fight for the right to have that speech because that same principle protects ours. And that, that same thing is true when it comes to religious belief. So the, 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 the right to practice our religion freely applies to people of various religions because if you can violate another, another group's rights to do something, that means the government can use that same tactic – uh, to attack you. And we just happen to live in a day and age where we see uh, many of the beliefs that, that Orthodox Christians believe uh, happen <laughs> to be contrary to uh, what people in power's values are. So these, these religious liberty protections that may not have been as important um, in some years past to, to uh, a Protestant or a Catholic church have become much more important. Uh, in this day and age. Yeah, Jeremy Samick, our guest, Senior Counsel with Independence Law Center, and folks just tuning in, Supreme, uh, Supreme Court uh, ruling, I guess it's uh, Fulton versus Philadelphia, and uh, tied with Catholic Social Services and the ability to continue doing... In the end, is it, are, they, are they reinstated, or what's the status for them and, and their hope moving forward for their particular organization? Yeah, for their particular organization, the thing, the thing is, it, it, it's doing very well. We're talking about Catholic Charities, yeah. and yep. they're there's part of the case on remand, but it, it looks based on the law in, in, in uh, Philadelphia um, that the application of the way that they are enforcing it is, is um, unconstitutional. And so they're going to be able to get back in business. Yeah, that's great. And it's especially, you know, I don't, I don't think we talked about this yet, but it's it's one thing if it's even it's just like a theory, like a, a, a what if, but you, well, you touched on a little bit. The city of Philadelphia, it's, it's a, it's of all times to try to shut somebody down. Now would not be the time, right? The, the, the need's very, very high. So you would want everybody in the game as much as possible if you could help it, right? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And, and really, that's where we see that the sexual uh, ideology that's being pushed in lots of areas in our culture really is, is taking precedence over everything else. Um, and this is just one of the many examples of where that's happening. Yeah. Well, it's great to talk with you, uh, Jeremy. Thank you for, for kind of explaining this. And maybe just that we can conclude by just, uh, you know, your day-to-day these last few years with regard to this case. I'm sure you have plenty of things you're working on, but um, share your, your involvement with it a little bit. I know you mentioned writing the amicus brief. Uh, amicus sounds like amicable, like friendly. But is that what that means? What is that? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a friend of the court brief. That's right. So it's, it's, it's a friend of the court. So we're, we're representing these 15 senators as a friend to Catholic services and the families um, that were essentially told they can no longer uh, work with Catholic charities to do the foster care. Okay. And so we, we wrote that. I, I um, was present during the Third Circuit oral argument 
uh, for this case, and we listened to the oral argument in the Supreme Court uh, because we couldn't go there because of COVID. So those were actually all done uh, online. Okay. Um, but it was it was it was simultaneously very encouraging um, to see this end result, but. At the same time, seeing other other foster care agencies abandon their their deeply held beliefs, um, you saw changes at board levels where they started to do exactly what the world's doing, hmm. um, and not fighting it through to the end was disheartening. But but to see this good result um, was worth it in the end. And Jeremy, for, while you'd like to think that those agencies would have uh, stood with what the Catholic Social Services was doing, if they're humble enough, I don't want to call it say it that way. I'm not sure if that's the right way to say it, but could theoretically those agencies reverse course now based upon the Supreme Court ruling if they wanted to? Yeah, I think I think they could. I think they could. Some of that will be – it will be curious to see what they'll do with that because I think there were some shakeups in those organizations and yeah. uh, and some people left that probably would have wanted to do that. And the people who stayed are, are folks who sort of wanted to become more secular-type organizations anyways. But, yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the Catholic Church uh, – was able to get a result that is going to benefit um, not only them but all other Christian uh, organizations. And there are there are ones in other states that are fighting similar battles, um, and this will help them. Yeah, and just to reiterate, uh, for folks just tuning in, although Catholic Social Services doesn't do those home studies or endorsements for unmarried uh, heterosexual couples or for same-sex couples, they they just refer them somewhere else. So it's not like they make them feel bad or put them down or deny them something. It's just that with their particular organization, they don't actually offer that. So it that's absolutely right. right? So they and they've never turned a child down. So it's not like a, a child is somewhere suffering because they're refusing to work. No, I'm not going to work with you. So yeah, that's absolutely right. They've they've never not been able to place child that have been placed that have been uh, put through their their operation. Okay, so, that's great. Yep. Well, Jeremy, keep up the good work. Thank you for taking time out of your busy day also to just update us on something so timely. And uh, it's a great piece of news. We really appreciate you. Absolutely. Thanks, Walter. All right. Very good. It's Jeremy Samick. He's senior counsel with Independence Law Center, independencelaw.org, or pafamily.org for details. Again, the Supreme Court uh, handing down a a 9 nothing actually, uh, decision today in the Fulton versus Philadelphia uh, case. And so if you want to find out more about that, read up on it, read the brief that uh, Jeremy wrote and all that on behalf of the 15 state senators, again, independencelaw.org or pafamily.org has more information as well. Quick break. We'll come back in just a little bit. We have our longtime friend, Rob Motti, head writer for the Associated Press in Philadelphia. He'll be joining us on a few fronts, talking a little sports and also uh, some pretty cool things happening. He's a solid believer. He's got a lot of good stuff to say on that front as well. Whenever we talk with Rob, that's always part of our conversation. We'll get to that in just a moment. Also, have another WFIL t-shirt to hand out if you want to win one. 800-560-WFIL. Give a quick call. 800-560-9345. We have blue. We have whitish gray. You choose. We have multiple sizes. So hopefully we can find something that fits. Give a quick buzz right now if you want to win one. 800-560-WFIL. 800-560-9345 to win a WFIL t-shirt. Beautiful weather. What better time to hand one out? Listen to the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It is 434 on the Tim DeMoss Show, and hello, who's this? Hello? We have a winner of a t-shirt. Hi. Hey, who's this? Oh, my goodness. Hi, my name is Bridget Peachy. Hi, Bridget. 
Peachy? Peachy's your last name. I love that. Yes, Peachy. Where, where, where are you from? Um, I'm from a little suburb right outside Philadelphia called Meadowbrook. Okay. That's great. I don't know if I've had a caller from Meadowbrook before. Well, no. Oh. You win the prize then. You win the prize for Meadowbrook oh. and for the, the T-shirt. So congratulations. Thank you so much. You're very I welcome. Um, pulled over my car. I was listening to your show, and I pulled over and to try to win a T-shirt. And just like that, I won a T-shirt. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You got to talk to Victoria and get all the particulars ironed out, so to speak. Yes, I did. Okay, good. I'm glad. And well, we're happy to mail one out to you. And we're just thinking it's a beautiful day, so we might as well. We have a shelf of them. We should start firing these bad boys out of the office here. So congratulations to you. And it'll be great to wear and um, advertise. So I'm very excited to wear it and maybe send a picture on Twitter or something. Sounds good. We love that. Well, God bless you. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you for taking time to call in. Thank you so very much for your show. Sure. It's, it's, it's greatly welcomed and appreciated. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. We'll talk to you again soon. Thank you. Yep. Bye-bye. God bless. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that's nice. 435 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Uh, we have a beautiful day. 79 for the high with a lot of sun. Cleared night, low 55. Sunny tomorrow with some clouds in the afternoon. Breezy, 84 the high. Love this stretch of weather we're having. Uh, we had the Phillies winning last night, 2 nothing over the Dodgers. Zach Wheeler, a six innings pitch, usually goes deeper in the game, but did a great job uh, anyway. And uh, Reese Hoskins with a home run. They're at San Francisco for a series starting tomorrow night. Uh, Sixers, unfortunately, they were up by 22 at halftime. Looked like they were going to take control of that series. And then second half kind of fell apart and wound up losing 109-106 to Atlanta. Ben Simmons afterward on the Zoom call with reporters talking about that tough loss. You know, we were up. We had it. I think we just gave it some. We got too comfortable and didn't didn't play the way we should be playing. Didn't move the ball as much in the second half. Didn't get as, as many easy shots. And then defensively, too many lapses where we didn't communicate. I mean, this one, this one stings. This one hurts, but, you know, we got to do our job and, and get the win in Atlanta. I'm going to have to watch film, but I, I know we weren't pushing the ball as much. We weren't moving as much. And when you don't have that space, it's hard to create and, and get guys open, get guys shots. So we got to we gotta be consistent. You know, even if we do get that lead, you know, we can't can't be happy with that. We got to keep going. We got to, you know, act like the games, you know, zero, zero. It's Ben Simmons of the Sixers, head coach Doc Rivers on the mood afterwards and just – some reality, some some wisdom after playing and coaching for many years. Well, we'll get back up. I mean, we'll, we'll be back here for game seven. I believe that. You know, the move was down. It was awful. What, what would you think it would be? It would have to be, right? And so this is part of sports. You know, you, you have some awful moments. And it there's no guaranteed path to, to get to your goal. We have made this hard on ourselves. We have to own up to that, all of us. And then we have to get up and be ready for the next game. And it's going to be a crazy atmosphere. Good. We'll be ready for it. Sixers head coach Doc Rivers. I like what he said about there's no guaranteed path. Rob Motti, head writer for the Associated Press, Eagles, Phillies. He's covered all the sports over the last 20 years, 20 plus years joining us. Hey, Rob, how you doing today, buddy? Hey, what's up, Timmy? I, I Sorry, I can't match the enthusiasm of the last caller who, who got that the, the T-shirt, man. That was great. I love that genuine excitement for a T-shirt. That's awesome. Yeah, I love it. That was fun. We should send you one, you, as especially you know how they do that. Uh, there'll be some gifts for you backstage, you know, for appearing on the Absolutely. show. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You've been on enough times. But uh, were you up watching the game at all last night, the Sixers game? 
Yeah, I, I had to uh, cover some of the Zoom calls afterwards. I was doing the Atlanta ones, and they were uh, obviously extremely elated yeah. that they came back. It was a tremendous. It was just a, a tremendous comeback for Atlanta. But on the Sixers side of it, a, a monumental collapse. Uh, I I don't know that there has been a worse loss in 76ers postseason history than that one. I always find it fascinating having. Uh, for folks as Tooney and Rob and I have known each other for many years, playing the same softball team together as well. And even just in my limited experience coaching softball for 16 years, I find it fascinating to the, the concept of knowing you're going to win. Like when you just know your team is that good, or you've sized up the other team, you know, you're going to beat them one way or another versus it's a toss up versus willing your way to win versus we'll, we'll just have to see how it goes. And I've seen all those scenarios with teams I've managed uh, but when I watch it and I hear Doc Rivers say that, I'm curious, you know, do they fold? Does he know in his mind, like, no, we are better. We will beat them. And I know we will. But he said there's no guaranteed path. I thought it was a very honest assessment without sounding fatalistic, like we're really we're really stuck now or something like that. And not having some false sense of braggadocio either. Yeah, and to me, they're clearly the better team on paper. Right. And you have the better team on paper going into a series where the the underdog has outplayed you and and not only that just shown more heart more determination more grit more want to more desire and that's very deflating and very it's concerning if you're a 76ers fan to see how you got a team with three guys who are max contract superstars and they they aren't completely showing it Tobias Harris struggled past couple games, only four points last night. Ben Simmons is obviously uh, going to go down for one of the most, the worst free throw percentages in the history of NBA postseason play. And he's going to, he's going to obviously hear the brunt of the criticism and, and even Joel Embiid for as great as he's been early in games. Now two, two games in a row where he, he kind of struggles in the second half, doesn't score in the uh, game four loss and, and last night had a tough time and maybe ran out of a little bit of gas, but in his defense, he's got to carry the entire team. So right. they're in a, they're, they're in a backs against the wall situation. And even if they do find a way to get out of this series, I'm no longer confident that they can win the next one. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta have you strong in the mind and, and we'll see. I think, I think Doc Rivers can do it. I think the Sixers can do it, but it's, I don't know the Sixers players well enough to know, how they how they adjust to something like this. Because when you think about it, you're paid to win four games. I got to win four games one way or the other, whether it's four in a row or four out of seven or something in between. So they're still alive. They can, you know, move the past this and move forward. And they're trained to do that. Whether they will or not, we'll see. I, I kind of, if I had to pick one way or another, I would lean towards they're just, they're a better team and, and they got to get over that mental hurdle. And yeah. like you said, and, and I think that it's not a matter of, of are they better? They're, they have more talented players, and they they showed it by being the number one seed throughout the season. But there's a mental hurdle that they they can't get past. And and Atlanta's kind of playing with house money now. You know they're up three two in the series. They're going home. Nobody expected them to win this series, and and, and they, they're they're loose. They're relaxed, and the Sixers are going to be uptight. And and how do they come back? We we've seen other teams in this town. Uh, it, be able to to rally to rebound in situations like that, but I don't know what this team's made of, 
And, and Doc Rivers has had some issues in the past in the playoffs as, as a head coach. So that is concerning. I would lean towards them slightly winning this series and winning it in, in seven games. Obviously, that's what's going to have to happen with a Father's Day Sunday night game, and, and we can all look forward to that. But they got they can't even look that far ahead anymore. They got to they got to win the next one, or else we're 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 talking about how they're going to break up this team and what's Daryl Morey going to do to uh, try and bring a championship team back to Philadelphia because it's it's been since 1983, Timmy, and uh, th- this team certainly doesn't look like they have what it takes entirely to get there. Well, like life, one thing at a time. Take the thing right in front of you and try and do well with that and see if you can get yourself back into the place you need to be. And uh, the Sixers are going to try and do that starting tomorrow night, taking on Atlanta game six at 730. Rob Motti is our guest. He's the head writer for the Associated Press for uh, over a couple decades now. Phillies and uh, and the uh, Eagles in Philadelphia also covers basketball, covers hockey. Uh, you know, Rob and I have known each other from the from covering all these different teams over the years. Uh, your main, I guess, the Phillies work you do too. They they won last night. They're what do you see when you just a quick thing on the Phillies? What what do we have on our hands here? Do you think? Uh, I think the best thing I can say about the Phillies is that they're in a division where it'll allow them to stay in contention. I don't think they're good enough to win the NL East, and they're certainly not going to be a wild card team. When I look out west and see how the Giants, the Dodgers, Gabe Kapler's Giants, shockingly, right? Right. Everybody run him out of town here in Philly, and suddenly he goes there, has less talent, and he can win. But that's another story. But I, you know, with the Padres, Dodgers, and Giants playing so well out there, and I, I think the NL East is going to have one team. The Mets and the Braves, to me, are still more talented than the Phillies. Phillies got some injury issues. Uh, Didi Gregory still hasn't come back off the injury list. Bryce Harper now is kind of iffy. He's a concern. Gene Segura, their best player, is going to be sidelined uh, for at least three weeks. So there's some injury issues with the Phillies. They weren't uh, hitting well enough. They weren't pitching well enough. And, and I, I do think that they have their best baseball ahead of them. So there should be some hope for where they could potentially put it all together and make a nice run and, and in this division stay in contention and play meaningful games in September. And I think that's the best that we can hope for is to play meaningful games in September, hope some guys can uh, get hot and carry the team in August into September and, and just keep things interesting so it comes down to the final week. Rob Motti, our guest uh, on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. You mentioned football, long time with the Eagles. One th- question on Nick Sirianni, the new head coach, and then another piece of football question or, or comment from you. What are your What are your thoughts on uh, their new head coach? Uh, I think he's young, energetic, and obviously uh, a great teacher, and that's from all the conversations I had with other players who played for him, uh, coaches who've coached with him. So, I'm excited to see what he can do. I know he got a lot of criticism for the way he handles uh, news conferences. Sometimes his answers go on far too long, and sometimes he shows too much excitement. And and Philly being what it is, they're going to criticize and dissect and analyze every single word that comes out of a head coach's mouth. But uh, I, I don't really care how he handles news conferences. One of the greatest coaches, maybe the greatest coaches, uh, uh, in NFL history, Bill Belichick barely says a word, right? He's right. on to Cincinnati, on to Buffalo, on to the next week, whatever. doesn't care. He's got this, this gruff demeanor. Uh, Andy Reid was very stoic, didn't say much in his news conferences, and all he did was eventually become uh, one of the greatest uh, coaches also in NFL history. So I- I'm excited to see what Nick can do 
especially with a young roster. I, I think there's some, some talent there. He's a good teacher. He can relate well with his players. So I don't think that the Eagles, Timmy, are going to be as bad as a lot of people think they are. There's a lot of three-win, four-win. I'm in the six to eight range and starting to lean towards seven or eight. And when you're in that range in the NFC East, which also isn't that good, there's a chance to be in the mix heading into December. Now, you've been doing the Eagles for 20 years now? 2021, 22? Yeah, this, so, uh, this is 21 years. Uh, yeah, 21 years, 22 years. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm losing track of that, but uh, yeah, it's well, been a long time. You, well, and you're being recognized. Proverbs talks about it. You see a man skilled in his work, he will stand before kings, and uh, he will not serve before obscure men. And I really, I, I heard to the extent you want to share, I, you actually got recognized for your work and have a promotion of sorts coming, so to speak. Yeah, so the uh, at the AP where I've, I've been a I've been kind of the assistant NFL writer and, and Eagles beat writer for about a decade now, and I'm being promoted into NFL writer position nationally. So um, I'm going to be covering the entire league, which I have been doing, but now I can focus entirely on the NFL um, and, and no more uh, baseball or, or help out with basketball or hockey. Maybe on occasion, but my primary focus is going to be the NFL and. Uh, for at least this season, though, I will be still covering Eagles home games or, or as many of them as I possibly can. How do you feel about that? Is it exciting for you to be able to zero in on one sport primarily as opposed to having to, you know, keep up on all the different ones? Yeah, it, it's it, it's exciting. You know, I love baseball. That's my first love, and I'm a Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voter, so I may try and uh, get a handful of games just so I can keep that and continue that tradition and continue voting. Sure. But it does it does allow me to do a lot of different things in my personal life, and uh, that that is something that Remy and I and the kids have been wanting to do and been praying about. So I, I got a little bit more freedom in that, in, in that I can I can be anywhere. Uh, in 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 the country that has an NFL team, so really excited about that. And, and there's more news to more news to come on that in the future, Timmy. Okay, good. Well, and there there is one other aspect, folks. Just tuning in, Rob Motti is our guest, the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. He's joined us many times over the years, and uh, you you know, in addition to being um, uh, you know a writer and uh, covering all the sports teams, you've written books. And you have your own radio show, too, called Faith on the Field Show. And for those maybe who aren't aware of it, uh, share about that aspect of the work that you do and and what God's called you to. Yeah, Faith on the Field Show is really uh, my biggest passion, and it it allows me to interview Christian athletes uh, across all the sports and uh, have them share their testimony, how Christ has worked in their life. So it is a, a show that has grown from being in one market, Philadelphia, to most recently uh, we have added five new stations, so we are now on sports radio stations across the country. Wow. We're on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're on the Angels Right Radio Network in Los Angeles. We're on ESPN Charlotte. Uh, we're in Orlando on the game, and, and we're on uh, Real Sports Atlanta. So it's very exciting. The goal is Remy is my co-host, my wife and my co-host, and our goal is to be on a sports radio station in in each uh, at least one in each state across the country. So we're getting there. We're growing. People can check it out by going on faithonafieldshow.com and, and hear the podcast version. In fact, the podcast version now of each episode of each show is a little bit longer than the radio edit 
because we let the interviews go longer. So they're longer form on podcast. So if people miss the radio, no problem. They'll get to da- download the podcast and you can hear the full thing. That's great. And rattle off a guest or two that you've had, whether it's recent or just over the years that you really enjoy, you know, and found particularly encouraging, let's say. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, who was the number one pick, was a very recent guest, number one pick in the NFL draft, went to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and, and he was on just a couple weeks ago. So uh, that was cool to chat with a young kid who really uh, recently married, number one pick, and, and has a great grasp on where he is, who he is, and his identity being in Christ. And we spoke a little bit about that. So uh, it was great to have Trevor Lawrence on. I've had a, a, a slew of Philadelphia athletes from Carson Wentz, Zach Ertz, and a bunch of guys who helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl in 2017, and a lot of national guests. Clayton Kershaw's been on. He's going to come on again. Uh, Trevor Story has been on. JT Romuto from the Phillies has been on. So a uh, very interesting and awesome conversation just to hear how these men uh, and how Christ has worked in their life. That's great. And again, it's called faithonthefieldshow.com. That's where folks can look up those episodes and keep current. And Rob, it's great uh, catching up with you. And I want to have your wife on sometime because she's an amazing cook. And I see her post on Facebook all these recipes. We need to have some kind of a, a cooking segment or something with Remy. And we can come with a catchy name or something. I don't know. But even if it's once. Let's, let's, let's make it happen. She would she would love to do it. She's got an e-book out with all those recipes. So people follow her on social media. They can find where they can get her e-book. I'm not sure. I think it might be like 10 bucks or less or something okay. like that. But it's it, well, she shares them all on there. Okay, and her, and her name is spelled R-E-M-Y. So folks want to look her up, as you can find that ebook, that, that cookbook, that Remy Mott, and last name M-A-A-D-D-I. That's Remy's last name, but, of course, Rob's last name as well. And you can follow him and check him out, the work he does uh, as he writes day to day. It's great to talk to you, my friend. God bless you. It's always a pleasure to catch up on little sports and, and what God's doing in your life and in your love for him. So keep up the, the good work. Thank you, Timmy. You will always be one of my favorite people on earth. So thank you, Father. Appreciate it. God bless you, man. You too. That's Rob Motti, Associated Press, head writer for the Eagles and Phils. Quick break. We'll wrap up our fine broadcast in just a moment on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 4.56 in the Tim DeMoss Show. I want to play a clip for you here from comedian Brian Regan. He was on David Letterman a few years ago, and this came to mind after the Sixers lost last night. So in their playoff series, they were ahead, actually, three games. Sorry, it was uh, two games to one. They've lost the last couple games. Now the Sixers are down three games to two. It's a best out of seven. If they lose this next game, then they're out. But they were up two games to one. And uh, Brian Regan has this very funny little bit about must-win games, which the Sixers do face themselves. They do have to win the next one or they're out, but not usually. Here's what Brian Regan does. I love whenever there's a best-of-seven series because then I get to hear my favorite sports reporter question. Would you consider this a must-win game? <laughs> you know, they always feel like they have to say yes. Yeah, we want to win it. It's very important, you know. Got our uniforms on it anyway, might as well try. <laughs> but it's not always the right answer, man. It's a math question. I wish I would answer that question honestly. It's a best of seven. You're down one game to nothing. Would you consider this a must-win game? No. <laughs> No, we can lose tonight. 
We can lose tomorrow night, too. We don't want to, but that wasn't your question. You asked if it was a must-win game, and if you'd ever taken a rudimentary math class, you'd already know the magic number's three. When you're down three, then you must win them or you're out. It's comedian Brian Regan and David Letterman. He's got a lot of everyday kind of stuff like that that's very funny. I found over the last uh, couple of months, I've been listening to some of his clips on what it's like to get cable installed or when you go to the doctor, how you feel very small and you just talk to the doctor like he's your dad and like, oh, do whatever you say. So anyway, uh, got some fun comedy there, uh, but thinking about in light of the Sixers situation, hopefully they get themselves on track. Father's Day coming up on Sunday. Don't forget. We'll give away $1,000. You could win that. You can enter every day right through this Sunday, by the way. Bonus entry opportunities, too. So if you haven't had a chance, stop by WFIL.com and get entered. Thanks for listening in. Looking forward to our famous Friday show tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.